And we are live. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of The Parasite Doc. I am very, very excited to have you here. This is going to be a very interesting podcast. We're going to be talking a lot about neuropsychiatric conditions. So that might be a word that a lot of you have never heard before. It's a new field of medicine that acknowledges mental health, but it also involves the nervous system, the role of the nervous system and how that contributes to mental health and our overall well-being. So typical symptoms or typical conditions that fall into this umbrella are the popular symptoms, or sorry, popular conditions like ADHD. ADHD has got a lot of attention in recent years, and I'm going to talk to you about why that might be the case. We're also going to talk about autism. We're going to talk about chronic fatigue syndrome, anxiety, depression, and this podcast would be the parasite doc unless we brought up parasites. Parasites are very, very important. And what I find very interesting about parasites and chronic infections when it comes to bacteria, viruses, and of course, like I just said, funguses and parasites, we don't talk about them. There's not a lot of talk about them because to be honest, our science, I don't believe has got there yet. So I'm going to share a lot of the new interesting science with you. We're going to have a lot of conversations. We're going to have a lot of laughs and hopefully we're going to have you feeling better by the end of the podcast. So today's episode is going to be on commercial dyes and I want to share a story with you that I came across on TikTok. Now, we all know TikTok these days is one of the best platforms for information. Of course, that comes with the issue of misinformation. But what's great about TikTok is it's a great way. I just used great a lot. What's great about TikTok is it's a convenient way for us to share information and for us to get information in bite-sized pieces that we can then share and apply to our daily life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the story. It was actually a TED talk that I saw on TikTok. And of course, don't worry, TikTok is not my only scientific reference. We are going to go over studies and I'm going to share with you the common products that actually sneak dyes into it. And one of the things that I found really super interesting is how meticulous our commercial and marketing departments are in products. Just because it doesn't say commercial dye anymore, it used to come up as red dye number 40. We're going to talk about what it comes up on the label now in Canada, in Europe, and the US so that we can better identify these chemicals, these dyes, and these products, and how they are affecting our health. So here's a clip from that TikTok video that I want you to look at. In 2005, I gave birth to our son. He was a happy, healthy, easygoing baby. He became a curious infant who developed into a fun and inquisitive toddler. He was full of life and he loved everyone. By the time he was three, he was energetic, enthusiastic, and into everything. Our nickname for him was our crazed lunatic monkey. We thought that's just who he was, constantly on the go, into everything and all over the place. His self-esteem was fantastic and he had a ton of confidence. He was so excited to go to school. During the second week of kindergarten, his teacher pulled me aside and suggested that he had ADHD. I was shocked. His preschool never said anything like that. I mean, yes, he was interested in a lot of things, and yes, he was enthusiastic, but ADHD? 
And why did it seem like he only had ADHD on some days? His doctor disagreed. He said, he's just a very bright boy. Okay, so here's the thing about ADHD and the problem I have with it. My brother, for instance, was, di or not diagnosed, but the teachers approached my mother when he was younger and said, this individual likely has ADHD. Um, you know, you should think about putting him on medications. My brother does not have ADHD. He's actually one of the most intelligent people that I have ever met. And I think the problem with the system is that as soon as there is a hyperactive child who is exhibiting symptoms of impulsivity or the inability to say sit still or inattention, we immediately want to slap a label on them. We immediately want to diagnose them as ADHD. Now, I have no problem with a diagnosis if it's fitting and it's going to create a treatment for that individual, for that patient that is beneficial. But in terms of kids, when we are looking at ADHD and whether or not they actually have ADHD, we also need to think about the environmental factors that we're going to be talking about. And I'm grateful that his doctor did not try to medicate him. In second grade, he started having problems. He had a hard time concentrating. One day I looked at him and said, do your best to focus. And he said, I can't concentrate, mom. My brain buzzes. Brain buzzes? I have a PhD in cognitive neuroscience. If I learned anything in college, it's the brains are not supposed to buzz. Okay, this is gonna sound crazy, but your body, when you, when you become in tune with your body and you start to listen to it, when you ingest toxins and chemicals and your body begins reacting to them, whether it's a parasitic infection or whether it's inflammation or whether it's actual chemical reactivity, you will know. It feels like buzzing. It feels like your nervous system has gone from zero to 10. There's a condition called trichotillomania, which I actually want to discuss in another part of, not this podcast, in another episode, but you feel the sensation of buzzing. Okay, so let's continue this. Red 40 wasn't. Maybe we couldn't imagine pulling everything with artificial food dyes from our home and our diet. That meant no more colored cupcakes, no more cheesy yellow chips, no pickles, no candies, no colored breakfast cereals. You see, artificial food dyes are in many of the foods, of the processed foods that we eat. Maybe we just couldn't imagine taking away foods that kids enjoy in their childhood. Now, I bet many of you are wondering. So I'm going to put the link here. So if you're interested in that TED Talk, I suggest going to watch it because she breaks down the symptoms that her child had specifically to red dye 40. And then she goes on to elaborate how it's not just the red dyes, it's also the yellow dye, the blue dye, and the green dye, which makes complete sense. But what I find very, very interesting is that she's broken it down in a very scientific way where the symptoms exhibited are dependent on the dye that is ingested. So the red dye produces different symptoms to the yellow dye that produces different symptoms to the green dye and to the blue dye. So I am going to put that also in the description for you so you can take a look at that. But I think the end result is we're really looking at elimination, specifically if, of course, you're dealing with a neuropsychiatric psychiatric condition, of course, um, 
you know, ask your medical professional about it. If you're working with a naturopathic doctor or a dietitian or a functional medicine practitioner, whoever your primary care is, have that conversation with them before you obviously implement any strategies. But this is for information. And the more we know, the more power we have. So I want to talk to you about the different labeling that's going on in the industry and specifically in Canada and the U.S. So just by a simple Google search, the Canadian products with Red 40 are also called Allure Red, Amarith, Anato, and Aluminum aluminum metal so in the united states and this is what i most commonly knew dyes to be called was the f d and c red number 40 right that's the most typical one i think i remember seeing that on like skittles um pop cans that kind of stuff but in canada i did not know that allure red and amarith were actually the same thing so that's an interesting note in europe they they call dyes e129 one 79, 123, and I'll put it here for your reference just so when you're checking packages, you can also look for these incognito names. All right, so let's talk a little bit about these commercial dyes and why they're ending up in our food. So food products use dyes to make colors. Um, they also use them for enhancement purposes. So you can find these in foods, you can find these in beverages. It's typically things that are processed. But what I find interesting is you can also find dyes in commercial products like shampoos, conditioners, soaps. So you really have to take inventory of what's going into your body on all levels. Remember that the skin is one of our largest organs. It's the biggest organ, it's the most exposed, and it's what absorbs things probably the fastest. So you want to make sure that any soaps that you're using on your skins or lotions are not also having these dyes in them. Okay, so I want to talk about the science. The research on commercial dyes and neuropsychiatric conditions is relatively new. I talked to you guys about the fact that neuropsychiatry is a new kind of area of medicine. It's not talked about largely, and especially the environmental uh, medicine portion, which is our toxicants, our pollutants, our chemicals, still, still very relatively new um, to the in to the medical industry. So, over the past few decades, several studies have investigated the potential side effects of commercial dyes on the brain and behavior, particularly in children. One of the most known studies was conducted by Dr. Ben Fingold in 1970, who proposed that artificial food coloring and additives may cause hyperactivity and other symptoms re resembling attention deficit disorder, ADHD, in some children. Although the initial findings were controversial and disputed, subsequent research has provided more evidence to support this theory. For example, a systematic review of 29 studies published in 2012 found a consistent link between artificial food colorings and hyperactive behavior in children with and without ADHD. I want to sideline for a second because for those of you who know my background, I was a professional bodybuilder. I spent many, many years in the bodybuilding industry. And one thing that I said to many, many people, I was also a personal trainer, so I was seeing clients, was that BCAAs, which are branched chain amino acids, very popular in the fitness industry, typically used as a pre-workout. You can use it intra-workout to help with muscle building to, or muscle retention. And you can also use it um, if you're running, again, to build in muscle recovery. So essentially, you're just 
giving the muscle tissues branched-chain amino acids so that they don't break down because you're trying to build muscle mass and you want to burn fat rather than muscle. So anyways, so BCAAs were doing something funny to my brain. And I had a conversation with a lot of other people in the bodybuilding industry as well. And I was like, I don't know what's going on with BCAAs, but I get mentally unstable. And by the term mentally unstable, I mean, I am more prone to anxiety. I'm more prone to depression when I take these and I don't know what's in them. And I just labeled it at the time. I was like, this is just BCAAs. I can't take BCAAs because they do weird something to my mind. And at the time, I thought it was because it was synthetic amino acids, right? So I go on and I live my life and I become a naturopathic doctor after uh, studying conventional medicine. And I go back to BCAAs and I'm like, I just really like the taste of them. For those of you who have tried them, it's a great alternative when you don't feel like drinking water. It's great to a pre-workout if you don't want the stimulant. So I'm like, I really want to go back and I want to try these BCAAs again. So I start taking them and I'm like, why is it? I'm noticing that there's less of an effect on my brain. And I still at this point have not put two and two together. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe it's a different formula. Maybe this formula works better for me. Maybe this company, this brand is doing a better job. Maybe it's a cleaner brand. So we'll just stick with it. So I was taking the BCAAs and blah, 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 going down my research path as I do. I stumbled on dyes and it finally connected in my brain that it was the dyes in the products that were causing my anxiety, and my depression, my pronation, or not pronation, my inclination to be hyperactive was literally coming from these dyes. And the product that I have now, of course, I went over to the cupboard and I pulled it out and I checked it out and it does not have dyes in it and it is sweetened by natural flavors. So that is my tangent. Back to the research. So the review also suggested that certain colors such as red 40 and yellow 5 may be more problematic than others and that some children may be more susceptible to the effects of these dyes due to genetic factors. What I want to say in terms of genetics is we're looking at pathways like detoxification, methylation, your ability to get rid of things. If you have a poor ability to get rid of things and your body is not functioning well, meaning your liver is not functioning well, your lymphatic system is perhaps clogged, you have a high immune system, high CRP, ESR, if you have chronic inflammation, then your genetics are predisposing you to have more reactivity to these dyes than someone who is able to eliminate them. Of course, I'm sure there's more research on genetic factors. That's my theory. Another review was published in 2017 that suggested that artificial food colorings may also affect mood, cognition, sleep quality in both children and adults. Bing, 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 bing. Love when that connects. While the exact mechanism of how commercial dyes affects the brain are not fully understood, some theories suggest that they may interfere with neurotransmitters such as dopamine and serotonin that regulate mood, motivation, and attention. So here's my thing. We know that gut health is related to mood and cognition. We know that when your gut is poor, we know the microbiome is largely responsible for the production of serotonin. We have 70% of serotonin is made in the gut. It is 
very important for nutrient absorption, which is also a part of the co-pathways in the production of neurotransmitters. You need B6, you need CoQ10. So we know that the gut is a part of this. My theory is that toxicants like red dye 40 and yellow 5 disrupt the gut lining, cause inflammation, mast cell activation, which then has a downward cascade, which leads to leaky gut syndrome. Leaky gut syndrome, for those of you who don't know, we're going to do a separate episode on it, but this is when people experience issues with digestion. They have brain fog. They have fatigue. They could have nervous irritability, very typical symptoms of leaky gut syndrome. And I really do think these are all connected and the science is showing that poor gut health and mental conditions are linked. So I'm going to go on. Other theories propose that they may cause oxidative stress and inflammation, which can damage the brain cells and disrupt neural pathways. Additionally, some studies suggest that certain dyes may interact with other additives or environmental toxins, such as lead, mercury, which amplify their effect. Now, there's, of course, a rule of heavy metals. We're not going to discuss that right now because it's a whole other discussion, but just a reminder of bioavailability and bioaccumulation. Sorry, I meant bioaccumulation. Bioaccumulation is when you take a toxin in and it is fine. What I love about bioaccumulation is that toxins are fine in minute amounts. A lot of the times they get approved by the FDA or they get approved to be in products because they're in a safe amount. What they don't take into accountability is something called bioaccumulation. It means the span over time in which you accumulate a toxin. Now, if you're taking a toxin in daily at a minute amount and you are not detoxing it properly, what at what point does that toxin become a toxic level? I'm sure it's not long if you're not detoxing it. So we need to be having that conversation about bioaccumulation as well and how that's affecting our mental health and our hormones and perhaps why children and certain adults are experiencing these levels and these conditions at certain times. All right, so let's have the symptom chat because everybody likes to know what's going on with symptoms. So symptoms and conditions that are linked to dyes are these. The symptoms and conditions that have been linked to commercial dyes are hyperactivity, impulsivity, inattention, which is what we see in the picture of ADHD. We have increased aggression, irritability, and mood swings. We see sleep disturbances, such as insomnia, nightmares, headaches, migraines, dizziness. This is where like the vertigo picture comes in. Digestive issues, such as nausea, bloating, um, and diarrhea. We also have skin rashes, hives, and eczema. So what I see here in this symptom list, I don't like to look necessarily at symptoms, I like to look at systems. What systems are involved and how are these symptoms connecting or sorry, these systems connecting? So skin rashes, hives, eczema. I see dermatology, which is the skin. I also see immune system reaction, which involves histamine. I know that histamine is correlated to the gut. So when I see digestive problems like nausea, diarrhea, and bloating, I'm also looking at the immune system activation in the gut. I'm thinking about histamine. I'm thinking about the role of histamine and gut permeability, which is leaky gut syndrome. And then I'm thinking about leaky gut syndrome in reference to the central nervous system, which is our hyperactivity, impulsivity, inattention, aggression, irritability, mood swings, sleep issues. So see there 
how I'm not just looking at one thing. This is not just ADHD. This is how is the immune system affecting the gut, which is affecting the nervous system, which is showing up in the skin. Well, thinking that's great. Thanks for giving me that information. <laughs> but what's next? What do I do next? You have to work with a medical professional who is willing to go the journey with you. I am a huge fan of medical testing. I think medical testing, functional med medical testing, is very effective if it's used appropriately. If the person is trained, if the person knows what they're looking at, what they're looking for, how to modulate, how to see if a treatment is working in reference to lab work, then you can get a lot done in the span of time and you can feel a lot better fast. But again, I'm not promoting some magic pill. I am saying find a practitioner that is going to work with you, that is going to challenge certain things, whatever aligns with you and that practitioner. Try them out. Go back to the drawing board. What I'm saying here is that it's not always black and white. With ADHD, there are great medications on the market. Some people do really well with medications. If your child is really suffering, if you were really suffering and you want a medication and you feel great, there is no problem with that. But what I'm saying is that there's also other routes. If you feel like maybe medication isn't the right thing for you. Personally, I have been on medications before. I've taken them for like two days, went off. They were not for me. They didn't, I did not feel good. I did not want to take them and I've gone natural and I've been able to regulate whatever I was working on. So there is natural things that you can look at. When you look at environmental medicine, when you look at how the immune system is responding, you can use herbal medicine, you can use homeopathic medicine, you can use nutraceuticals. There is so, so, so much that you can do. So find a practitioner that is going to work with you on this stuff, who's going to dig a little bit deeper and, you know, there's other ways to get through things. So the last thing that I want to talk about here is a list of foods. And I am going to provide a list of foods for you guys as well, because this can get a little bit tricky. But the biggest thing is educating yourself on labels, knowing what to look for, knowing the trade names that are sneaky, natural artificial flavors is one of those tricky marketing tools that is used to disguise MSG. So it's not always natural flavors, which I mean, I used to read natural flavors and I used to think, oh great, it's like, you know, juiced lemon or uh, natural flavors from a peach. It's not. It's artificial. So know what you're looking for, educate yourself, and here are some foods to look out for in Canada that have dyes in them. So we've got candies. Candies is probably the most obvious. I feel like when you look at a gummy worm, you know that there's color in there. There's also sour candies and hard candies. We've got our energy drinks. No, they don't naturally come green, believe it or not. Um, and your sodas and your sports drinks. You can even challenge yourself. Challenge yourself on how you respond to dyes. Some people are more sensitive. The only reason I have come on this topic is because my body was heavily sensitive to the ingestion of these foods which kind of gave me a red flag. So if you are somebody with a red flag, test yourself out. See how you feel with red dyes. See how you feel with green dyes. See how you feel with blue dyes. And the best thing that you could probably do is eliminate them if you don't feel good with them. The other foods are chips, crackers, and other salt, salty snacks. We have breakfast cereals, instant oatmeal, flavored instant noodles. I was a Mr. Noodle fan when I was a kid. Loved Mr. Noodles a little bit too much. So check those out. Make sure there's no dyes in them. Desserts, cake mixes, frosting ice cream, processed meats. That's a tricky one. 
hot dog, sausage, and bacon. I love bacon. Really do love bacon. But there's more than dyes and bacon. There's also nitrates, and you have to be very careful when it comes to smoked products. There's condiments, ketchups. Make sure that you have organic ketchup. Believe it or not, it becomes shocking when you're in the grocery store and you're looking at product that you eat all the time and you flip it over and you start reading the label and you're like, what does that even mean? Why is that even in there? I thought this was almond milk. Now all of a sudden there's like some glucose, fructose. I don't even know what they put in there. Some of them are fortified with vitamins, which again, that's another, another time for another podcast, but you will be shocked at the products that have all this extra stuff in it. And when you go and have a product that literally says what's supposed to be in there, like ketchup, for instance, what is in there? Tomato, vinegar, sugar. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. There's usually like four ingredients. I, I, I personally buy organic ketchup. There's like four ingredients. I think there's water too. So pay attention to the food that you're consuming and what's in it and how it reacts to your body. And like I said, find a medical professional that can work with you, that can challenge concepts with you, who you feel comfortable with, who can take that dive with you. And again, thank you for being here. I hope this was interesting. I hope this was informative. I hope this makes helps you make better decisions for you, yourself, and your family. And I would love some feedback if you have something that you want me to talk about, any um, conversation that you want me to have with specific individuals or on specific topics, leave it in the comments. And thank you for being here on the first episode of the Parasite Doc Podcast.